Hello and welcome to Sci-Fi Radio Theater, the internet's number one source for original science fiction, horror, and fantasy radio play podcasts. Our podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or on our website at www.scifiradiotheater.com. Before we get started with tonight's story, we would like to tell you about a fine product from one of our sponsors. Let me ask you something, Jimbo. Did you ever used to be the talk of the town? The most well-dressed dapper dude this side of the state line? And did all of that suddenly change in a quick two years with the extra astro fashion movement? I know what you're thinking. How can a guy like me get his swath back when all the ladies are only interested in those outer species styles? Well, now you can get your groove back by registering at the Lore MacDonald School of Galactic Fashion. Now you too can be a man amongst the ladies by learning the intricacies of styles not of your species. Impress the ladies and help America by creating more full-blooded human babies. Government-sponsored scholarships are available. That's the Laura MacDonald School of Galactic Fashion. And now it's time for the Bagua Tweet Box, an eight-part science fiction murder mystery. Tonight's episode, Episode 2. The Ancient Teachings of a New World In last week's episode, private investigator Otto Weinekainen and his assistant Patricia took on a case to find the killer of a robotics professor named Homer Dia. During the investigation, Otto had discovered that the node that found Homer Dia's body had had its memory erased. On top of this, Patricia came upon a mysterious box containing a series of small pebbles. The discovery of this box ultimately led to the destruction of the Boston Police Headquarters, with our heroes driving off in an attempt to escape the police. Tonight's episode begins inside a place of learning in the city during the day. there. Looks like we've got a delivery node. Got a package for me? Is it in the car? I am Peter. I am looking for Feng Shui 101 classroom. Oh, right. Uh, hold on. Hi, Chen. It's the front desk. I have a node here with a package for you. Right. Okay, I'll send him down. Okay, you can just go down the hall and to the third door on the left. Chen's in the middle of teaching a class, but he'll be able to sign for you, and then you can just leave the package here. Thank you. Oh, hello. Classroom of Feng Shui 101. Yep, that's here. I can sign for you. I told the people at the front desk to just, uh... Okay, I guess you're coming inside then. So, if you can just give me the paper to sign, you can go on your way. <laughs> Alright, class. Looks like we have a new student. I'm sorry, did, did I miss something? You, you have a package for me, right? Uh... Hello? Maybe he is the package. Hmm. Maybe. I'm not sure who would send me a note, though. <laughs> Excuse me, why are you here? To learn Feng Shui. I guess someone sent me a Feng Shui note. <laughs> this will make rearranging the heavy furniture easier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, th this is a prank, right? Teach Feng Shui. Alright, this is getting weird. Uh, delivery node, please leave. Teach Feng Shui. I'm not teaching feng shui. Why? Because I'm not teaching feng shui. Why? Because you're a node, and I don't teach feng shui to robots. I am Peter! Teach feng shui! Whoa! He must be malfunctioning or something. Yeah, he must. Man. Mm. Well, I'm not really sure what to do. 
I don't know much about nodes, and I don't want to say the wrong thing and have them do something dangerous. Mr. Yap, uh, I've taken a few classes in robotics. I can take a look at the wiring in his head and see if there's something wrong. Uh, is, that, is that safe? Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. Public service nodes are pretty heavy safety protocols, so he probably can't go off and hit me or explode or anything like that. They toss that the cold can sometimes freeze and break circuits in them. He probably just took some ice damage to his cognition and voice board from being outside too long. Well, okay, go ahead. Just be careful. Okay. Now, let's see. Just have to find the button to open his head. No! Jeez, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. He just took off before I could get his head open. What the hell was that? journey through the forest of Algamore has brought me to a large, ominous-looking castle. It is nighttime, and the glow of the moon is illuminating the heavy doors to the entrance of a castle through the trees. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to open the main doors to the castle and walk in. Hmm. The doors are locked. Hmm. Oh, I know! I'm going to use my level four lockpicking skill to unlock the doors. Let's see. Yes! 16! Hmm. Okay. 16 plus four times my journeyman multiplier equals... Okay, I unlock the door. I open the doors and walk into the castle. Okay. I'm now standing in the main entrance room to the castle. It's a large room made of black stone. There are two stairways leading to the second floor balcony in front of me to the left and right. Mm -hmm. Straight between the stairways is a long hallway leading into the darkness. To my left is a closed wooden door. To my right is a fireplace with a roaring fire. In front of the fireplace is a small carpet with two comfortable looking armchairs on top of it facing the fireplace. Mm. Okay. I'm going to walk down the long, dark hallway in front of me. Oh. Before I'm able to walk past the staircases and down the hallway, an intimidating older male voice calls out to me. It says, oh. <clears throat> Halt, traveler! You have entered my castle, the castle of Lord Merdelock, without permission. What reason do you have for trespassing on such sacred ground on this, the night of Ulat, the most sacred night to Hifu, the ancient god of flame? I look up to see Lord Merdelok, a tall, older man with long, white hair and a long, white beard descending the staircase. He reaches the bottom of the staircase and walks over to me. He is dressed in a sacred red robe embellished with gold chains. There are shiny rubies of green and red embedded within the gold chains of his robe. He also holds a large wooden staff with metal wrapped around the top and at the base. Okay, I'm going to try and convince him that I meant no harm and that he should help me in my quest. <clears throat> oh, Lord Merdelok, I, Shahalia, huntmistress of the city of Ravenfeather, am but a simple traveler. I meant no harm by invading your castle. I merely seek food and shelter as well as any help that you may offer on my quest to defeat my sworn enemy, Norgongol of the Dragonclaw Clan. Uh, okay. Six plus charisma of ten. Shoot. I didn't convince him. Uh, Lord Meridalok says, How dare you insult the lord of this castle as well as the ancient gods that inhabit it. Now you will pay with your life. Ah, oh, Lord Myrdalog points his staff at me and a level 8 pilot of fire comes flying towards me. Oh no, making a saving throw. Oh, I rolled a 2. Oh, I died during my own game. 
Two individuals approaching main entrance. Huh? Who is it? First individual is female. Appears to be 5 foot 11 inches or 6 feet tall. Approximate age to be mid to late 20s. First individual positively identified as Patricia LaCroix. Oh! Second individual is an unknown male. Appears to be 5 foot 6 or 7 inches tall. Approximate age to be mid to late 30s. Will access police records in an attempt to identify. Oh, that's okay. If it's Patricia, let him in. Affirmative. Yay! Zippy? I'm down here, Patricia, in the basement. Oh, there you are. Hello. Zippy, this is Otto. Hi. He's the private dick I work for. What were you doing down here? Oh, I was just playing castles and chimeras. What's that? Uh, you were playing by yourself. Well... Norman and Julia were supposed to be coming over to play, but Julia had to go help her cousin, who just broke up with her boyfriend, move into her aunt's apartment, and Norman ate some bad baki at Anime Thursdays and has diarrhea. Okay, Patricia, who is this person? Hey, I'm standing right here. Otto, stop being you. This is Zippy Einstein. She's the CEO and the one woman show that is the Cyberverse security company. We went to college together. You're the CEO of the Cyberverse company? Why is he surprised by that? For God's sakes, I use Cyberverse products in all my hard and soft storage units. Zippy, look, we need some help. Can we store something in Tubby? What? Patricia, I told you not to talk about him in front of other people. Who's Tubby? Is another person involved in all of this? Zippy, we really need your help. What did you do now? Nothing big. We just have to hide this box and these document copies until some stuff blows over. You two are the ones who blew up the police station, aren't you? No. Are you sure? She's telling the truth. We didn't blow up the police station. We're trying to solve a murder case and we need to make sure this information is kept secret. It's evidence that can be used against the killer once we find him. The equipment in my office isn't as secure as it could be, and we need to make sure no one gets their hands on this until the time is right. And this information isn't illegal. Come on. When have I ever done anything illegal? Two police cars have just arrived at the front of the house. What? what? You said this wasn't illegal. It... Maybe a little illegal? Damn! They must have followed us from the police station. Hey! I didn't blow up the police station, I promise! Look, we have to hide this stuff right now. No way, Jose. I have a nice little life going for me here, and I'm not getting arrested. That's it. Ah! No! Hey! There. Now your fingerprints are all over the evidence, and you don't have enough time to arrest them before the police come knocking on that door. Either hide this, or I'm going to tell them that you were involved, and you'll be going to jail with us. Oh! I can't believe you! You're the jerkiest friend ever! Four police officers have left their car and are starting to make their way to the front door. They are also looking around the perimeter of the property with their flashlights. Zippy, look, you're doing the right thing here. An innocent man was murdered and we have a lot of good evidence here that can lead us to the killer. He's going to get away and kill again if you don't help us. Ugh, damn it. Fine, over here. There he is. What? It's just some goofy looking box. This is your grand way of hiding things? Shh! Don't say that. He's sensitive. Don't worry. He's just a mean, manipulative man whose sad little opinion is pathetic and doesn't matter. Oh, it's a robot. Not just any robot. This is the world's only known octo-sourced security and storage node. Not only does he have an extremely sophisticated AI system which can access a multitude of threats, as well as develop theoretical reactions to situations that it hasn't been programmed to react to, but he has one of the most advanced locking and storage systems ever created on a micro-storage unit. Include all of this with the fact that he has full mobility and environment manipulation abilities, which allows him to be extremely good at hiding, and you are now looking at the most advanced and secure storage system ever made. Wow. And you built him? Why is he surprised by that? Okay, Tubby. I've entered the code and done the fingerprint and retinal scan. 
please open. Thank you. Okay, items have been stored and hatch has been closed. Please knock. Good. Now I need you to go into level 6 hiding. Don't worry, I'll be fine. I will send the signal when you can come out of hiding. Alright, that evidence is safe. No one's going to find it. You gave him emotions? Yes. Well, sort of. He feigns them. I suppose it's not like he's actually feeling anything for real. The emotive bleeps just sort of help me better understand what he's trying to communicate without risking someone being able to listen in and steal information through a standard language. The police officers are at the front door and are requesting entrance. Oh! What do I do? What do I do? Just relax. We'll answer the door and take the heat. Just come up with us to show that we're not holding you hostage or anything. Okay. I can't tell you how much this means to me. Quiet. I'm not talking to you anymore. Hello, Vicky. Otto. Patricia. And you must be... Zippy. I live here. I don't know these people. <sighs> right. Well, all three of you are under arrest. What? Take them in, boys. Hey, you can't do this! I'm an innocent bystander! Otto. Patricia. You're under arrest for the illegal duplication of police evidence and the destruction of the Boston Police Headquarters. You did blow up the police station. Well, I didn't exactly blow it up. Shut the hell up, you two. Zippy, you're under arrest for aiding and offering sanctuary to two individuals sought after by the police department of the city of Boston. I didn't aid anyone. I told you I don't know these people. Ugh. And I'm sure when we search your house, we aren't going to find the copied evidence either. Ha! Searcher place. Yeah, right. Like you had enough time to get a search warrant. Actually, I did. Oh. I'm on the same amateur baseball team as the judge. Alright, boys. Search it. What? You can't search my place. That's private property. Don't touch my vintage monster manual. <clears throat> as I was saying, you all have the right to remain silent. Hey, wait. Vicky... Come on. You're really going to put me in jail? I would rather see you safe in jail right now than out running around town where you can get hurt. Oh. What? Hey! What? Alright, bring them to the cars. Starting again, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say may be used against you. Tony, stop fighting. You're going in the slammer whether you like it or not. Hey, officer, Manny, come on. I'm an innocent man. You know me. Yeah, yeah, get going. Okay, you three, sit down. You'll be called in when they're ready. Maggie, make sure they don't try to escape. The French girl's good with locks. You got it, Vicky. <sighs> Great for business when everyone finds out that the CEO of a security company broke the law. Oh god, I have a criminal record now. All my clients and distributors are going to fire me. I'm never going to be able to find a job again. I'm going to become one of those shiftless hobos they find starved to death in a dirty alleyway after not making enough money from hooking to buy food. Wow. Hey, look on the bright side. Now you can market yourself as having first-hand insider experience into government-run penitentiary security systems. Hmm. Zipporah Ernstein? Eh. Follow me, please. Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! She'll be okay. Yeah. 
Hey, Maggie, you're beating Herman in the league now. Ha! I knew it! That bastard couldn't pick a theme if it had been mapped out for it. So, are you going to tell me what you found at the brothel? A battery from the murder weapon. Laser saw. Didn't find the actual weapon, though. Really? Yeah. And more interesting than that, the pleasure node that saw the crime had her memories deleted. What? Yeah, I know. And you're still not dropping the case? Like I said, I don't know. Obviously this is big, but... I mean, this may be leading us to the source of where all this crap has been coming from in the city. This case allows us to get paid while investigating it. God damn it, Otto, like money is an issue right now. Your damn private dick. Not your job to cure the city. Leave that to the guys with the state pensions. I know. I'd also like to remind you that closing down crime rings puts us out of work. Oh, whatever. You know most of our money comes from the soft jobs. It's not like we're constantly getting murder cases. Well, since you found McBurger dead, that makes the second one we've gotten this month. Alright, fine. This month's been busy. But still, that's not where the money's coming from and you can't deny that. Besides, if we can help bring down whatever the cause of all this is, that'll make the city a safer place, and that's why we got into this in the first place. That's why you got into it, not me. Then remind me why you did get into this. That's what I thought. What makes you so sure that this case is connected to other crimes? Much less that something organized has been going on for the last couple of years. Where would somebody get the know-how to delete a node's memory if there wasn't something organized involved? Fair enough. Alright, Otto. Patricia, Sheriff Bates wants to see you personally. Follow me. This should be great. Yeah. He was already pissed off at you. Having his office blown up hasn't made him very friendly today. What did you do to piss him off originally, by the way? Uh, I have a feeling you're about to find out. Hiya, Howard. How are things going today? Otto Weinerkainen. We have a lot to talk about. I never knew a person's face could turn that color before. Howard, I think you need to take some time and chill out. You know how your blood pressure gets? You're listening to the Bogwa Tweetbox on Sci-Fi Radio Theater. And oh boy, what a mess our heroes have gotten themselves into this time. We'll be right back to the story after this message from our sponsor. Coming this Sunday to theaters, it's Max Hardstone in his most exciting role yet. What happens when the woman you love is killed in a hydronuclear explosion launched by vindictive and ugly alien invaders? You get revenge, that's what. Max Hardstone stars as Vinnie Victory in what film critic John Review calls the most explosive action movie made since Spartan Lover Boy Part 5. This Sunday, make sure not to miss Victory Lap at your local theater. And now, back to the story, only here at Sci-Fi Radio Theater. to keep pacing like that forever? It's making me nauseous. Sometimes, I sit alone in my house and watch the sunset. As the sun drops below the horizon, the darkness of the night comes pouring in through the windows. And assuming I don't have a lamp on, I am covered in this darkness. And for a few minutes, before I turn the lights on, life feels a little too real. Like I'm living in some kind of world that is more aware and real than the real world. It's during these times that the feeling of dread that always lives in the back of my mind 
and in the pit of my stomach overcomes my body, and I come to the realization that I am cursed. Vicky, does he normally get like this when he hasn't eaten in two hours? After some therapy sessions, following a long and painful divorce from my beloved Diane, I decided that the only way to overcome this curse and thus destroy my fear of Doc was to seek it out. To face it head on in the same way a medieval knight faces the dragon that is continuously burning down his castle. Huh? And like that medieval knight, I quested Otto. Oh yes, I quested high and low, looking for the totem that held all of my nightmares. And Otto, oh, how long I quested for. I searched every corner of this earth. I even bought the ticket and went to the moon. And I explored every corner of the great city of Luna, looking for that enemy that I could face in battle, in hopes that I would be able to escape my personal living hell. Bates, quit screwing around. But I found nothing there, Otto. Nothing on the moon, nothing on Earth. Maybe I needed to quest further into the galaxy, I thought. But the tickets were so expensive. It would be a long time before I could do that. So I returned home, Otto. Back to my home in Boston. And to my surprise, Otto, do you know what I found? I found the answer. I found the totem. The enemy. I found the thing that was cursing me. Right there in my home. Uh-oh. What? I entered the door to my house. It was a day like any other day. There in my house, all alone. I closed the door behind me and hung my jacket. Suddenly, from the floor above me, I heard a noise. I walked slowly up the stairs. I could hear the noise getting louder. It was coming from my bedroom? What could be going on in my bedroom? I reached my hand out and touched the cold doorknob. I turned the knob slowly. I pushed the door open. And do you know what I found, Otto? I found you! Screwing my niece! <gasps> Michelle Jonesworth is Bates's niece! You are my curse, Otto Vonikainen. You are the demon that haunts me in the night. You are the dragon that is set to burn down my kingdom. And now, a week after catching you with Michelle, my police headquarters explodes, and I found out that your assistant was responsible for it? Well, let me respond to you, Otto. Does it look like I'm screwing around? Well, don't you have any goddamn comments now? I wasn't responsible for blowing up the police department. Shut up. I don't care who's responsible for what anymore. I'm locking you two up for the rest of your natural lives. I swear to God you will not see the light of day as long as I live. And after we're all dead, I'll make sure your goddamn ghosts are locked up in a black hole too. And you! Me? God damn it, Vicky. You and your libido are the ones that let this psycho bitch into the evidence room in the first place. I swear, your Turkish voodoo gods must have been watching over you. Because if I didn't need every cop I have available right now, I'd be bringing you up on every corruption and incompetence charge that the United States of America has in the books. And then some. Damn it, Bates. She told us she wasn't responsible for blowing up the station. You and your idiot team brought an active hyper-neurobomb into the building. That damn thing was just waiting for the right time to go off. You're punishing Vicky? He's the one that got everyone out of the building safe. You should be giving him a goddamn medal. Did I ask for your goddamn opinion? When that station blew up, one of our central evidence storage hubs went up with it. Do you know how many cases you just sent back to square one? Not all of the evidence was destroyed. What? We were able to make duplicates of all the evidence from the Homer Dia murder case. The damn Homer Dia murder case? What the hell are you doing investigating that thing? His sister seems to think I would do a better job finding her brother's killer than your idiot squad. No offense, Vicky. Don't worry about it. Damn it, Vicky! Don't talk to him! I'm the sheriff here! You're supposed to be on my side! Sorry, boss. Shut up! Who cares if you have the evidence? It's all useless. That case is just another goddamn John getting killed in a brothel. 
It's a dead end. And I hope it was worth it, Otto, because that case just ruined your life. Well, that dead end case just had a hyperneural bomb exploding your police headquarters. A goddamn hyperneural bomb, Howard. You're still gonna tell me this isn't just more than an open and shut John murder case? What the hell do you know? You've been on this case for two seconds. We've been investigating it for six months. Hyperneural bombs don't mean anything. If you're rich, you can buy one of those on the black market. I saw that bomb. That was no street job. This was made by a professional. Not only was it stable and dormant for God knows how many months, it had a sensor and a timer attached to it. Have you ever seen anything like that on the black market? It's true. It was pretty impressive. Damn it, Vicky! The node that found Homer Dia's body had its memory erased. What? I went to the brothel where his body was found. I talked to the node that found his body. Someone had erased its memory, then put up a cloaking program so it would lie whenever anyone asked about it. Impossible. Here, I recorded the conversation. How did you get that through the brothel sensor? It's made of polynickel. Wow, that's pretty cool. Shut the hell up, Vicky! Why didn't you confiscate that from him? Sorry, boss. We patted him down. He must have hidden it. See him beforehand. I just found him dead. Then the police came and I told them that I had found him dead. Hey, not Beatrice. Yes? I have another fantasy. And this one is so hot to me, I'm putting it as fantasy number one. My greatest fantasy is to talk to a pleasure node about a murder after she's used the pleasure slave directive to override the subterfuge code that caused her to falsify her testimony. Done. Nice. This is hot. Yeah, it is. Now tell me, did you see Homer Dia alive in the brothel before he was murdered? That information has been deleted from my memory. What? Who deleted it? And before you think you can just steal this recording from me, I've made copies. Now tell me this isn't something big. An advanced hyperneurobomb, a node getting their memory deleted. All these things need organization, Howard. Fine. We'll open the case back up. Give me the evidence. Like hell! Listen here! You're still criminals! Stealing evidence, making illegal copies, and taking part in the destruction of a police station. Don't make your lawyers also have to defend you hiding evidence from the police department. You want this evidence? Including a part of the murder weapon that I found in the box that contained the bomb, by the way? You drop all the charges against us. Ahem? Oh, uh, and you promote Vicky to captain. Uh, uh I mean you only demote him to speeding ticket duty. Well... I mean, you leave his job exactly as it is now. There you go. And on top of that, you bring me and Patricia into the case, too. <sighs> like you have anything to bargain with. We'll just find the damn evidence ourselves. It's probably still at that girl's house. My guys have probably found it already. Like hell you'll find it. That girl you're talking about is one of the most advanced security minds that's currently alive in the world. Her house is so tight you won't find anything unless she wants you to find it on purpose. Your boys might as well be looking for a single grain of sand in the desert for all the luck they'll have finding anything useful. And don't think you'll be able to get anything out of her through interrogation either. Her mind is like a steel bear trap. She's been trained to guard herself from every form of interrogation and torture technique that's imaginable. You'll never break her or get her to confess anything, so you might as well just give up and accept that you're not getting anything from us unless you play ball. Maggie, bring that other girl into my office. Let's just see about that. She's been trained in torture and interrogation? <laughs> hey Zippy, how are you doing? They were mean to me and they made me cry. Hey boss, the boys got done searching our house too. They weren't really able to find anything. Just these weird sex magazines. What? Those are my handbooks! Uh, yeah. Anyway. She had all these crazy locks and stuff all over the place. Even software locks on her computers. They weren't able to find out how to break them. What's your name, miss? Zippy. Zippy? Where's the evidence? You told them I hid evidence? No, you fool! He just tricked you into confessing. 
<laughs> Zippy, you are in a ton of trouble. I can have you locked up for a very long time. Oh, don't listen to him, Zippy. He's got nothing. If you give him the location of the evidence, he'll just throw us in jail anyway. We're trying to negotiate ourselves out of this mess with the evidence's bait. Give me a break, Vinokinen. You have nothing to negotiate with. We have all of those records logged into our computer system already. You're lying. The law they passed last year forbids the police from saving soft copies of evidence on network-enabled computers, and I have a feeling the computers that were storing those soft copies lived in the headquarters. Besides, even if you did, you still don't have the piece of the murder weapon and the box that held the bomb. Not to mention what we found in the box once the bomb was out of it. What did you find? Psh! Zippy! Tell me where the damn evidence is! Don't tell him anything! You guys, it doesn't matter. What?! It doesn't matter. You can ask me all you want. I don't know where the evidence is. I put it into Tubby, remember? I don't know where his location is. I just call him and he comes. I don't know where he's hiding. What's Tubby? My security box node. They call you robot! No! Why? Because you'll just put us in jail. And don't think you can call Tubby or find him yourself. He only responds to me. On top of that, I'm the one who programmed him to hide, so don't think you'll be able to find him. Even if you did, you'd never be able to get him open. He only opens with my password, fingerprint, retinal scan, and voice commands. So now what? You know our demands, Bates. What are our demands? Otto wants you three to go free and for me to keep my job and for him and Patricia to be brought into the case. Oh, okay. Damn it, Vicky! Howard, what's it gonna be? Fine. You have a deal. Call your robot and give us the evidence and we'll let you go free. No, 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 no. I'm not falling for that. We're making this official. I want a contract and a recording staying our agreement, including that us three are brought onto the case. What do you mean, us three? I don't want to be on the case. We need you to be. The lock that was installed in the box with the bomb was a cyberverse lock. I'm going to need you to go through your records to find out who that lock was sold to. On top of that, Tubby is our safety net now. As long as we're able to have the evidence final storage place be in him, they can't throw a fast one on us and you're the only one that can operate him. No, no, no. You can't use him. I'm not helping. You will if you want to stay out of jail. <sighs> okay, call your lawyer, Howard. Maggie, get Mark. You're listening to the Bogwatch We Box here on Sci-Fi Radio Theater, and we'll be right back to the story after this word from our sponsor. You may have heard that America's greatest supplier of real steel chainsaws is Hank's Pitchforks and Chainsaws. However, Tony Choppins has another view. Tony Choppins has over 20 years of experience in the creation, maintenance, and sale of high-quality all-steel chainsaws. The Tony Choppins chain of retail outlets have won award after award for quality as well, including the Texas Cutting and Hauling Award last year. Are these claims that Hank's pitchforks and chainsaws can make? Didn't think so. Hank Peepley, as his real name is, only has two years of experience in the creation and sales of chainsaws. In fact, Hank Peepley's chainsaws aren't even made of pure steel. Their blades are made out of a cross nickel and aluminum mix, resulting in a lower quality and less reliable product. So do yourself a favor and go to where the quality is for your next chainsaw purchase. That's Tony Choppins in your local town. And now, back to the Bogwa Twee Box here on Sci-Fi Radio Theater. Toby? Of course I found him. Hey, look, this wasn't my idea getting you roped into all of this. Otto just sprung that out. Hell, I don't even think we should be doing this case either. If it was up to me, I would drop it. Whatever. That being said, I'm happy you're going to be doing this with me. Just don't talk to me right now. 
Okay. Hello all, I'm Mark Worthington, currently acting lawyer for the state of Massachusetts Police Precinct 1035, now acting as the police headquarters for the city of Boston. After deliberations between Sheriff Howard Bates, licensed private investigator Olavi Vinakainen, and certified private investigator assistant Patricia Jean LaCroix, an agreement has been reached and signed in both contractual form and in the form of a declared video recording, which will be held independent of all parties by the state of Massachusetts. This stupid agreement runs as follows. Alavi Vinakainen requires that Sheriff Howard Bates agrees not to arrest, imprison, sue, or in any way take legal action against Alavi Vinakainen, Patricia Jean LaCroix, or Zipporah Ernstein for the destruction of the City of Boston Police Headquarters. Nor for the stealing, duplication, and hiding of evidence pertaining to the Homer Dia murder case, despite the fact that he obviously did all of these things. On top of this, Alavi Vinakainen also requires no punishment to befall Officer Victor Jones in relation to the previously mentioned crimes, nor for apparently following the duties of his groin versus the duties that he actually gets paid taxpayer money to do. In return, Sheriff Howard Bates requires for Alavi Vinakainen to allow the city of Boston police force to have unlimited access to the evidence surrounding the Homer Dia murder case despite the fact that the case has been a running joke around the precinct for the last six months and the entire investigation is going to make Bates look even more like an insane douchebag, which everyone already thinks he is. In return to this, Alavi Vinakainen requires that Sheriff Bates allow Alavi Vinakainen, Patricia Jean LaCroix, and Zipporah Ernstein to participate in an unlimited fashion with the investigation into the Homer Dia murder case. God knows why. And on top of this, Alavi Vinakainen requires that all evidence pertaining to the Homer Dia murder, when not in use, be stored in that weird nerdy girl's moving bucket which only she can open. As a final addition, Patricia Jean LaCroix requires that her and Alavi Vinakainen have the option to leave and not participate in the Homer Dia murder investigation without threat of any legal repercussions. Finally, someone with some sense. Unfortunately for Zipporah Ernstein, however, she cannot leave the case unless dictated by Alavi Vinakainen and Patricia Jean LaCroix. Tough break, kid. And in a final last-minute note put in by Patricia Jean LaCroix, let it be recognized by the state of Massachusetts that Sheriff Howard Bates is a negative Nancy whose butt smells like ass. Very mature. And in end, Sheriff Bates, I just want to say that this is the most ridiculous agreement I have ever had to preside over in 20 years of working as a lawyer, and I quit. Okay. Okay, folks. Sheriff Bates has agreed to let me speak. Look, I know this isn't the most ideal situation for all of us, but there's something bigger going on here than whether we want to be here or not or if we like the circumstances. A presumably innocent man has been murdered. A highly advanced bomb has been detonated and has destroyed the police headquarters. On top of this, more evidence has come to light to suggest that this seemingly simple case may have been an act of an organized threat that currently exists in Boston. It is my and Sheriff Bates' belief that all this may be ultimately leading to the core reason why serious crime suddenly spiked in this city two years ago and has remained there ever since. We're going to need to work together to get to the bottom of this. So first things first, we are going to share with you all of the evidence we have collectively found so far. Zippy, please bring Tubby up here with the evidence. Okay, Tubby. I've entered the password and done the fingerprint and retinal scan. Please disengage the locks and open. Here. Thanks. Okay. So here's what we know. First, Homer Dia, a professor in the robotics department of BIT, was murdered approximately six months ago in the Washington Street brothel. His heart was apparently cut out of his chest, as you can see by these pictures. One thing you'll see in the pictures, if you look closely, is that there is a light and some wires sticking out of the inner left side of his ribcage. However, this was never reported in the autopsy report. 
On top of that, there is no name for the person who did the autopsy report, just his handwritten analysis. Correct. And his handwritten analysis just reads that Homer Dia was murdered by having his heart cut out. That's about it. Couldn't we just dig up the body and take a look? Hmm. Hard to get that kind of clearance, but not a bad option as a last resort. In the meantime, I think our takeaway from this is that we need to find out who did that autopsy and see why they would have missed something like that. That's you, Vicky. On it. And here. While you're looking into that, Vicky, see if you can get any information on this. I found this hidden in an air vent at the brothel. I think it's a battery from a laser saw, but I'm not sure. I think it may have been part of the murder weapon. If you can trace it back, you'll also want to see if an electric screwdriver was purchased at the same time, too, as the air vent had been screwed into place with something mechanical. Okay. Speaking of the brothel, I was able to interview the node that found Homer Dia's body. It had its memory erased. What? No way. That's... That's crazy! I know. So we need to find out who did this and how they did it, too. I already investigated the brothel myself, and I'm not sure if there's too much more there that will give us any leads, so I think the next best place to look is at the offices of the brothel's management. They're at the top of the essential building. Patricia, that's you. Yep. And you're bringing someone with you, too. What? I don't need backup. Like hell you don't. Last time you went off on your own, a hyperneural bomb went off. Maggie, go with her. Sure thing, boss. Jeez. Hey, don't worry about it. We can talk about girly things together. Great. Anyway, speaking of the hyperneurobomb, this was found in Homer Dia's body. It contained what seemed to be a highly advanced hyperneurobomb inside of it. Inside the box are a number of multicolored pebbles. The box itself appears to be some kind of, like, nail clippers holding box or something. An etui box. Right. It's been hauled out to contain the pebbles. This box is probably the biggest mystery at the moment. It obviously was very important to Homer Diaz there was a hyperneurobomb in it that went off when it didn't recognize him after it had been opened. However, the items inside of it seem to be just a bunch of useless pebbles. So, Zippy, I'm giving this one to you. Yeah. The box had a cyberverse lock installed on it. If we can find out who that lock was sold to, that may be the first step to finding out what the box is and who put the bomb in it. I'll need you to look into your records on who this type of lock had been sold to throughout the last year and see if anything can be traced back to an, uh... Etui. Right. Etui box. You can use the computers here. I don't want you in that bucket of yours leaving my sight. Okay. And last but not least, there's BIT. To date, no one's been able to get any particularly useful information from Homer Diaz's co-workers or office. I'm gonna head over there, though. Given what I found out at the brothel, I have a feeling there may be more going on at BIT than was originally thought. Fine. I'm going with you. Ha. <laughs> Not this time, Howard. Like hell, Otto. If I have to have a cop with me, so do you. Fine. Alright. We have our marching orders. What about his sister? What? What about Homadia's sister? Don't we need to question her more? Hmm. You may be right. It's kind of late tonight, though, and we'll need to come up with questions we want to ask her first. Bates and I will go and speak with her at the library she works at tomorrow morning on our way to BIT. So, Bates, think tonight on what you want to ask her and I'll do the same. Okay, folks, get some sleep and we'll reconvene here tomorrow. Here, Zippy, put these back in tubby. Okay. By the way, Otto, you three are sleeping here tonight. I'm not letting any of you out of my sight. I'll see you here in the front lobby first thing in the morning. Right. Fine. What do you mean you're going to take Bates to go talk to Barbara? She wanted us involved separately from the police. Remember, they can't find out her brother was on drugs? I didn't know what to do. I couldn't think of any reason why we wouldn't go talk to her. I'll have to figure something out in the way. We're also risking something by having Vicky look into the autopsy. What if they did find drugs in his blood during the autopsy and then hit it? He could expose it and blow everything. Ay ay ay. Oh well. I guess there's nothing we can do about it now, other than just hope they don't find anything. Yeah. We're going to have to be looking into this drug thing in secret, I guess. Yeah, looks like it. I'll see if I can find any evidence on what this new drug was at his office. See if you can get away from Maggie while you're at the offices and try to find any information about him acting high when he entered the brothel. Okay. Hey, they got the cot set up for you guys. Okay, we'll be right there. Come on. All right, off we go. 
That was episode two of the Bogwa Tui Box. Tune in next week for the continuation of the story in the Bogwa Tui Box episode three, Nightmares and Science. This week's episode of the Bogwa Tui Box was written and produced by Charles Davis. It starred Charles Davis as Otto Vinakainen, Noelle Micarelli as Patricia LaCroix, Josie Carici as Zippy Ernstein and Officer Maggie Bernard, Rob Levine as Sheriff Howard Bates, Jonathan Tompkins as Peter and Mark Worthington, Jonathan Sheck as Officer Vicki Jones, and Daniel Ryder as Chen Yap. Before you leave for the evening, we would like to deliver you a final message from one of our sponsors. Flying is the new walking in this century and you don't want your daughter to be left behind in the dust. At the Dickinson Flight School for Girls, young females from all over the country can earn their wings through five years of intensive training and discipline. Don't let us be left in the ground. Give your daughters a wing up on the competition by signing her up today for the Dickinson Flight School for Girls. You've been listening to Sci-Fi Radio Theater. You can listen to our latest radio play podcast on our website at www.scifiradiotheater.com or you can download them directly from iTunes. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter at SF Radio Theater and email us your feedback at sci-fi-radio-theater at gmail.com.